Can you hear me? Excuse me for using the table and the chair this morning. Because when you get old, it's hard to walk, talk, and stand at the same time. Some of y'all know about that one. Let me start off by saying um, I thank God for the opportunity to be able to minister this morning. I am what I am by the grace of God. Let me also thank Pastor and First Lady and the elders for uh, allowing me to come to minister as well. But how many know we serve a mighty God? to bring my glasses out. We serve a mighty God. No one compares to Him. He has all power. He rules and reigns in everything. He's our strong tower. He's our way maker. He is our healer. What a mighty God we serve. God is mighty. I like that worship song they sing this morning that he is perfect in all his ways towards us. We serve a mighty God. Who is like the Lord? Tell me. Who is like him? Ain't nobody like him. See, anyway, um, I entitled my message for today, Are You Dressed for Battle? Because I, I, th I think sometimes us believers, us Christians, we forget that we're in a daily battle. If you haven't figured it out yet, life is one big war. Especially the Christian life. Without Christ, you're going to get it anyway. But as a believer, it's one big war with many battles in between. Are you hearing me? Uh, the Christian life is not a playground. I don't, think, I don't think God promised us that. Jesus himself says, in this life, you will have much trials and tribulations. But he said, be of good cheer. In other words, don't sweat it. In other words, chill out. Because it's, it's, it's one big war with many battles in, in between. So look, tell your neighbor, look at them, tell them, get your war clothes on, baby. I'm going to talk about them war clothes today. Because I think we need a reminder. I needed the reminder myself. Because I'm not exempt. On a daily basis, I'm going through things. I'm going to let you know up front. There's some things in my life that I'm battling through. But I always say, if you're not in a battle, I don't even know if you say. I don't even know. That's between you and God, but I, I don't know about y'all, but I battle every day with things. So grab your Bibles or your cell phones, whatever you use. Uh, go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start off with verse 10, read eight verses there. Because our focus is, are you dressed for battle? And, 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 you know, like Apostle Paul says, um, you know, I haven't arrived yet, <laughs> but I'm reaching for the goal. 
And I think all of us can agree with that, that, you know, man, how many feel the Holy Spirit this morning? Thank God for the worship and, and the Lord being here. But let, let's go with verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong. In, not in anybody, but it says in the Lord. In the power of whose might? His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. See, because the devil's trying to trick us. The wiles means trickery. He's trying to trick you. He's trying to trick me. He's trying to deceive me. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Stop right there. Pastor, let me see. One time pastor said, I remember this a long time. If, if your battle, if what you're struggling with this morning has a face to it, You're in the wrong battle. You're in the wrong struggle. Because it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against your spouse. It's not against your husband, your wife. It's not against your kids, your grandkids, the church family. But against principalities. Against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Not part of it, the whole armor. I don't got time to teach on the whole armor today. That's going to be on you to figure it out. Go, go study it. The whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. Can I ask you a question? Do you see the evil day already upon us? And having done all to stand. You know, sometimes when I read that, I think sometimes all you got to do is stand. Quit arguing, quit struggling. Sometimes just stand in the Lord. Sometimes that's all the strength you got is to stand. Just stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Of all, above all, taken the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now I remember pastor one time you said those fiery darts um, are intended to change your perception of God. Because once you lose sight of God once I lose sight of God we're in trouble. Because God is merciful. He is gracious. He is kind. He is faithful. But, but the enemy don't want you to understand that. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Can I pray? Father, we thank you for your word, for the message that you've placed upon my heart. And um, I pray what you've given for me to share today, Lord. 
that encourage, it encourages the household of faith. That somehow, some way, through your grace and mercy, uh, we'll walk out of your house today uh, much, much stronger than when we came in. So, Father, thank you again for giving me the opportunity and uh, use me as an instrument. And we, and we bless your name today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Look to your neighbor and tell him, you look good this morning. Lean over and take a whiff and say, you smell good too. So anyway, as I was preparing for this morning's message, uh, I came across an article titled, What Does It Mean to Dress for Success? Because we're talking about, are you dressed for battle? This particular article said, if, if your intention is to be more successful in your business or personal life, it said, doesn't it make sense that a huge contributing factor would be to pay attention to how you dress? Think about that for a second. Those of you that are applying for a new job or something, they said it's your appearance that creates the first impression. The first impression is the first visual image you're given about yourself and to the world. The first impression you get is the one that has the most impact. It's the one on which you're going to base your future decisions. For example, whether or not to do business with that person because trust me, if I was a manager, a CEO or whatever of a corporate business and you walked in all sloppy, I'm already scratching you. But for example, like I was saying, whether or not to do business with that person or whether or not to get to know them better. How you dress is a reflection of who you are and it speaks volumes about the confidence others have in you. If you dress for success and are well-groomed, did you get that, well-groomed? You will gain respect from others. That's what the article said. Now, when I look around this morning, it looks like everyone knows the, ba the basics of dressing up. I look around, everybody's looking good and smelling good. You know, we all want to wear the name brand clothes. We have particular perfumes and colognes we like. Do I have a witness? Ariana pointed at her husband over there. How many know or would agree that in order to look right, you got to match right? You can't be wearing a nice Armini suit with some jacked up shoes. Whether it be work or special occasions, going out on a date, etc., you take your time. I remember back in the day, if Y'all 
remember back in the day, if you're just going to go out with your wife or a date or whatever, you go clean the car up. Detail it. We took the time. That's what I'm saying. We already know naturally what, what to do in the physical sense of dressing up, you know, getting ready and all that. You know, we, we, we spend a lot of time on that. It's not like we, we don't know, but we spend a lot of time on that. But when was the last time when you woke up in the morning, you said the first thing I want to do is get dressed up spiritually? And I, and, I know, and I know with families, I raised five kids. My late wife and I, we were married 33 years after she passed, but I know the struggle. But we can get so involved with that and with our jobs that we take 10 minutes spiritually getting dressed and we take, you said two hours, Lupita? I'm glad you brought that up because they said on an average, I wasn't going to bring it up, but she brought it up. They said on an average, a man takes anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes to get dressed. But I'm not even going to talk about the ladies because they said, you know, like Lupita said, two hours. And they said, if a man ever interrupts that schedule, it's going to be two hours and a half. And it, it might even be three hours if your husband says, will you hurry up? We're going to be late. But I, I made a little note here. If we would spend half the time on dressing up spiritually as we do naturally, wouldn't we be a threat to the kingdom of darkness? What y'all think? Because the Bible says... We, we live in a violent kingdom. I think we forget. I think we forget. We live in a violent kingdom. And violent men and women take it by force. I mean, wouldn't we be experiencing more victory than defeat? <laughs> you know, I like to keep things real. But I'm not excluding myself, trust me. Because we've got to understand there's three spiritual battlefronts. This is the war zone for believers. Do we have any believers in the house tonight? I want to teach them real quick. I've taught them before. I won't spend a lot of time. But this is what we face on a daily basis. There's three of them. Number one, our sinful nature. The flesh. Because I sometimes think, just as, for, just as me for myself, sometimes I find myself walking more in the flesh than I do in the spirit. Do I have any witnesses? And the Bible says if we walk in the flesh, in our sinful nature, we cannot please God. That's what he says. I'm not saying that. That's what he says. But if, but if we walk in the spirit, we satisfy God at all levels. And, and this is one thing I know about my sinful nature. You might be able to identify with this. It's got an insatiable desire. Let me define that for you. You could never satisfy it. Go ahead and start with one thing. And little by little, you're going to find that you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be addicted to things. And, by, you know, and the story goes on and on with that. And, and we, we have to remember that our focus has to be walking in the spirit. How many like to walk? Just a few people. That's why we're all chubby. But you got the discipline of walking. How many has ever worked out on the treadmill or something? We, we know what it is to be disciplined to do that. 
But funny how that when we wake up in the mornings every day, we don't, we're not disciplined for that. And how many know the Bible talks about spiritual disciplines? And so, you know, our, our uh, sinful nature craves more and more and more. It's never satisfied. So we, that's one spiritual battlefront, the war zone for the believer. And we gotta, we've got to fight against that. Secondly, the world. Did you hear that? We live in a world that is full of pain, hurt, chaos, violence, crime. The world is in a state of complete confusion. You know, people don't even know what's right or wrong anymore. They don't even believe that there's any right. So much disorder. I, I want us to visualize in our minds when it comes to the world, the fierce urgency of now, the present day, the urgency of present day. You know, I don't need to read any statistics, but, but because I believe all of us can see the problems that we're facing in America. In America, I'm not talking about other countries. You see the economic condition, the divorce rates, teen pregnancy, moral chaos, the violence in the streets. We, we just recently, we've been going through these mass killings. You know what Jesus said? This is what Jesus said. It's going to get worse. This is the, the urgency of seeing now, the present day. He said it's going to get worse. You know, when, I, when, when, when Jesus said that, I, I, I thought automatically about my kids and my grandkids. They're going to grow up in a day that's going to be worse than what we're seeing now. And we just sit down. We don't do too much about it. I know I'm guilty of that. The present day. And if we're not careful, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. We're not careful. You know, the world and the, what's going on in the world is going to consume you. As believers, it, it's going to consume you. In the, in the world, the way things are happening, you know, it's going to cause you to have fear, worry, stress, anxiety, hopelessness. And God didn't create us for those things. And the suffering of little children. This last mass shooting broke my heart. Horrible. But if we're not careful, it's going to, you know, it's going to stress us out. You'll get anxiety in your life. You know, nowadays they're talking about they don't even, you know, parents are afraid to send their kids to school. Y'all hear all that? Thirdly, the devil. Somebody keep track of time for me. The devil. Some of y'all don't believe he exists. But he's alive. He's our adversary. He is the accuser of the brethren. He goes to God day and night accusing you of your sins because he doesn't like to see 
that God's going to pour out his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness upon us. But that's what he does. God ain't going to change his mind. He's, he's the same yesterday, today, and always. If he promises, promises me grace, that's what I'm going to get. If he says he's, he's forgiven my sins, past, present, and future, that's what he's going to do. But, but that's what he does. And he'll come and whisper to you and use people to bring you down. He'll use people and in, in, uh, things in life to, bl- to blind you. Jesus said the first, when he says, you're going to know my coming. In Matthew chapter 25, Pastor, first thing he says, do not be deceived. And man, there's so much deception going on nowadays. You know, everybody likes to talk about God, but they don't talk about Jesus or the Holy Ghost. It's easy to talk about God, but, but is, is, is the Lord, is, is he your king? Is, your, is he your savior? Is he your lily of the valley? Is he your bright and morning star? Is he your counselor? And is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, look, <laughs> Jesus the Bible says, is at the right hand of the Father. Always interceding for us. But the devil tries to distort that. He's throwing little fiery darts at you. Fire darts at me. And he wants to distort what's going on between you and God. He wants to mess up your marriage. He wants to mislead your children. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he roams this world. Like the Bible says in the book of Peter, like a roaring lion. You might be okay one week, but he's going to come back around. Because how many know he's got his, his, little, his little pack of angels that God threw out of heaven because they came against him? Jesus said, I saw him fall out. But he's there. But he knows, the Bible says he knows his day is short. And he's furious about that. And I'm thinking, well, we, you know, like I said, you know, if he knows that, how come we don't know that? That's why I said we got to somehow we got to put this in our agenda every day. <laughs> this has to be a, a, a spiritual discipline for us. He's the father of lies. He's a liar. The Bible says he has no truth in him. Has no truth. For you married couples, he'll come by and tell you, hey, it's greater on the other side. But he don't tell you there's poop over there too. He'll tell your teenage kids, you can do it on your own. And then they find out very quickly you can't. So let me, let me, let me just uh, say a few things more, and then I'll call it quits. Is that all right? We need to get back into a, a warfare mentality. If you can somehow make a mental note in your mind today that we, we have to make sure we keep that in our agenda, in our spiritual agenda. A, a warfare mentality, it's developing a warfare is a key. It's key to winning the spiritual battle. So um, let me just say we have been thoroughly equipped by God. Hear this out. 
thoroughly equipped by God to do major damage to the kingdom of darkness. We've been equipped that way. We read it in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Even 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 says, for, the, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons are, of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing, this is where Satan messed up. He tried to exalt himself before, above God. Watch what he say. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing down into captivity every thought to the obedience of God. Dr. J, you got your Bible? Open up to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. The Holy Spirit gave me these verses early this morning. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Yeah. Good warfare. What about Second Timothy? Chapter two, verses three through four. As a what? Say it one more time. Of who? Keep reading. Can you read that one more time? No man that wants to entangle himself with the affairs of this life. The affairs of this life. That he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. Soldier. It doesn't say a man soldier, a woman soldier. We're all soldiers. And we're all part of the army of God, right? So to be a good soldier, we must understand that there will be no effective warfare if we're not willing to dedicate our lives to cause of seeing people set free. We forget about that. To love, to loving and helping other people. And the list goes on and on. Because we, we are soldiers in the army of the Lord. Have you ever, uh, I know Bishop, Big Rich, you guys have heard of the military term Weapons of massive destruction. Those of you that have been in the military, um, the U.S. military re refers to WMDs as weapons that are capable of a high order of destruction and are being used in such a manner as to destroy large number of people or other forms of life to cause great damage to man-made or natural structures or the biosphere in general. And I think, including myself, church family, uh, we've forgotten that God has equipped his people with spiritual weapons of mass destruction. With spiritual Weapons of mass destruction. I would have read you Ephesians chapter 6, and apart from that, apart from the full armor of God, is there not power in the blood of Jesus no more? There was a time and day where we would plead the name of Jesus over a situation. There was a time of day we used to do that. There was a time of day we would anoint our door post at our homes. 
Is there not power in speaking a blessing? And a have a protection over your children? Because let me tell you what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to shut you up. He's trying to shut me up. Because God himself says there is life and death in the power of your, in the tip of your tongue. But we're staying quiet. How many know it's okay to anoint your children, your grandkids? You better. Because this world is getting crazy by the minute. And the enemy is furious. He's working overtime. Have you ever heard of the power of fasting and praying? I remember one time a pastor saying, you probably forgot this, but I think one time, pastor, you mentioned to me that, that your prayers have now turned violent and aggressive. Remember saying that? Listen, we can't afford. We can no longer allow the kingdom of darkness to take precedence over the kingdom of light. Because we're children of light. And you can, even cho- you can choose kingdom of darkness, but you're going to find out it's going to lead to destruction. How many has ever done that? You say, well, let me try that out, and you figure it out. There's a way that seems right to us, but only leads to destruction. Look, listen, don't, don't allow wicked people, you know, to disturb you. At your workplace. Remember, Pastor used to say, you can look at something or someone and know that ain't God. (laughs) You just stay away. Like the Bible says, just be peaceable with everyone. Don't mean you have to go out to dinner with them and do, you know, things with them. Just be at peace with people. So... I made a little note here. We can no longer allow ungodliness and wickedness to invade our homes. Because you know your children are watching. And you know what you do when it's, when it's ungodly? It's going to affect your children. Trust me, I know. I'm a witness to that. When I was in a dark place, I was not doing right, and it affected my children. But I know that God, I know that God, let me say it one more time, but I know that God, he'll restore. Secondly, we must continue to fight the good fight of faith on a daily basis. Without faith, you can't please God. You ain't going to get nothing done without faith. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 through 8 says, I have fought a good fight. I wish we would, I was telling somebody the other day, that we should study the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. You know, because the Lord talks about without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? But read the whole chapter. We got heroes of faith that set the, the, the prime example of how to serve God and live for God without getting what you was having faith for. How I many of that? That sounds kind of messed up, but. But they did what they did so they could encourage us and we could be one together in faith. Read the chapter, you'll see. That's why, you know, it says I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. (laughs) I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me. How many know one of these days we're all going to get a crown? 
maybe a headband. I don't know what you're going to get, but. <laughs> a crown of righteousness. And the Bible talks about several crowns, Pastor. And it also talks about us, about us casting our crowns at the feet of the Lord. Because had it not been for him. Crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, <laughs> shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all, unto all them that love is appearing. I've included this particular point in my message because I, I would say some of you have stopped fighting. I mean, I've been there and done that. Some of you have thrown in the towel. You've given up. And, and I know that there was many times I've thrown in the towel. But the Holy Spirit would go get that towel. And he would bring it right back to me. He said, that ain't going to happen. You're my son. You're my son. You're my daughter. Your family is worth fighting for. Your marriage is worth fighting for. Your church is worth fighting for. I mean, all your children are worth fighting for. My other meditation. Take up the call to be very courageous in these last days. Take up the call to be courageous in these last days. That's why Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, be strong and of good courage. God don't say things just because. Because look, you and I are going to need courage. I'm about to turn 60. Um, my time is short, I think. I don't know. Um, hopefully I can get into my mom and dad's age, but that's not promised to me. We're not promised tomorrow. He says, fear not. Nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he is that doeth go with thee. It's so nice to know that the Lord is on my side. That he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So that you may know what? He is my helper. He will not fail thee. People will fail you. Your family, your children, they'll fail you, all right. You'll fail each other. But he'll never forsake you, the Bible says. To go forward, we must take up Courage. Courage. I made a note here, drastic times require drastic measures. The, the definition of the word courage means fearlessness. Fearlessness in the face of danger. This is why it's important to understand because in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1, the Bible says, This know also in the last days, perilous, perilous times shall come. The word perilous means hard to take over, hard to take or bear, troublesome, dangerous. Harsh, fierce, 
savage. And the, and the danger of fear is that it can cause us to live constricted lives. It'll cause us to shrink back. It'll overwhelm you. And the Bible says God don't take pleasure in those that shrink back. Because we've been dressed to kill. I'm glad we're hearing this message. I mean, I got it before you did. But it was a reminder to me that, man, God has equipped us to be agents against the kingdom of darkness. And if we're not, if we're not praying for one each other or fasting, you know, uh, speaking blessings over our families and kids, shame on us. <laughs> And so don't get mad when everybody's acting up, acting like a fool. And we hadn't prayed for three months. That's, that's, that's the truth. <laughs> I told you I was going to keep it real. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, that you know, there's an antichrist that's probably already in the making. And he's going to come to wear out the saints. That's his plan or her plan. I don't know what it's going to be. But, but uh, you know, to wear out means to wear away, to harass constantly. And if you're not feeling that right now, You're living in a different world than me. My other thought, I only got two more, I'll call it quits. Maintain a more than conqueror's mindset. I'll tell you why I said it like that. Romans 8, chapter 35, verse 38 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He's the lover of your soul. Jesus is the lover of your soul. Let me say that one more time. Jesus is the lover of your soul. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written. And how many know that God doesn't lie? He's not a man that he should lie. For thy sake we are killed all the day long. Because quite frankly, we here in America, we don't suffer persecution. We get all upset when the gas prices are high. We get all upset when we can't find a formula for the kids. Come on, somebody. We get upset about those things, but that's not persecution. But the heroes of faith went through some persecution. And they kept the faith all the way to the end. That's why they were able to say, I have fought a good fight. I kept the faith. Woo! That charges me up. That somebody could say, I kept the faith. How many want to hear the Lord tell you, job well done? Thy good and faithful servant. I'm going to paraphrase it. He said, you endure it to the end. Come on in, because I got something for you. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, 
We are more than. More than conquerors through him that loved us. The Bible doesn't say we're just conquerors. Let me define that word for you. The word conqueror means to defeat another in competition or conflict, to prevail over a complete overpowering by force or authority. We're not that. Some that say we're more than that. Did you get that? We're not just a conqueror. We're more than a conqueror. Because Jesus loved us. In its translation, being more than a conqueror implies that it is more than mere victory that a believer gains. How many know when a nation goes to war... That nation may win the war, but may also suffer great loss and minimal gain. Not so for the believer. God's not going to take you through much trouble and you gain little. What the enemy stole from you and me, God's going to give it back to you a hundred times over. He's in the multiplication business, restoration business. Just give God time. You're going to see it. You're going to see it. It's going to come through. (laughs) So lastly, am I okay, Pastor? You must be totally convinced, totally convinced. That your victory is rooted in Jesus Christ. Totally convinced. This is how we this is how we dress up spiritually. First John chapter five, verse verses four through five says, For whatsoever is born of God, how many is born of God? Overcometh the world. And the Bible says, this is what God says, and this is the victory that overcome, overcometh the world, even our faith. Right. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth right. that Jesus is the Son of God. Makes me giggle with some joy. (laughs) Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. The greatest preparation for spiritual warfare is to know Christ and his sufferings and to be known by him. How many know that you got a new name written down to glory? We got to know him and his sufferings. That's what the Bible say. And to be known by him. I'm so glad that he knows me. I made a little note here. There are too many Christians trying to find their victory in some worship song or in some method or in some pastor or in some leader. If our victory is found in those things, then why do we still feel so defeated? If you take Jesus out of the equation, nothing will add up. 
Even Jesus is apart from my father. I can't do nothing. So how are we trying to live life without knowing that we have victory in Jesus, period? It's only found in him. That's why the Bible says, greater is he. Let me fix my jacket on that one. Greater is he. Greater is he that is in you. Then he that is in the world. I don't know if it's bringing any of y'all any kind of encouragement or joy, but I'm enjoying this. So in closing, let me say this. There is no such thing that it is over with God. Let me say that one more time. There's no such thing that it is over with God. You, you could have failed and jacked up your life, but it ain't over. I don't care what people may have said behind your back, but with God, it ain't over. I don't care what the haters might have said about you, but it ain't over with God. I don't care how dark it has been for you and your family, but God, but with God, it ain't over. You, you may even feel defeated this morning, but it ain't over. <laughs> you know why? Because God's got the first and the last word. So in Romans chapter 8, 28, we know that the Bible says we know that all things work together. All things work together. Not for the bad. You might feel that this way, that way this morning, but it's for the good. To them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Look to your neighbor and tell him, God's got your back. I even like Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God be for us, you can't mess with me. Because God is for me, and I can't mess with you because God is for you too. If God before us, tell me somebody, tell me who can be against us. Amen. Romans eight thirty four says Jesus is always interceding on our behalf. And he's sitting right there next to the right hand of the father. It's one of my favorites. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon. No weapon. Talk to me now. No weapon. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. No weapon formed against you. Against me. says that next verse it talks about this is the, the heritage of the saints no weapon formed against you shall prosper if we do it God's way make it through because he's the way maker where there seems to be no way God will make a way 
no weapon. Trust me when I say that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I forget the particular chapter and verse, Pastor, but in 2 Chronicles, God encourages his people by saying, the battle's not yours. (laughs) 